Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 22 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the books of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. These four books are the last four of the eight journal epistles. The author of 1 John is likely John the Apostle of Jesus Christ, and I would assume that 2 John and 3 John, without clear evidence to me to the contrary, that John the Apostle of Jesus Christ is also the author of 2 John and 3 John. And Jude is written by Jude, a brother of Jesus. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible, Orthodox Version, because the World English Bible is in the public domain. Let's get started. The book of 1 John has five chapters. The focus of this book is how to know you have eternal life and to encourage Christians to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. John identifies Jesus as being eternal life in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 says, That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we saw, and our hands touched concerning the word of life. Jesus is the eternal life which was with the Father and was revealed to the apostles. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says that Jesus as the Son of God came so we might know him who is true. Who is the one who is true? God the Father is the one who is true. We know God the Father in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Who is the true God? The true God is God the Father. We know God the Father is in Jesus Christ. God the Father is the true God and eternal life. This is confirmed in John chapter 17, verse 3, where Jesus praying to God the Father says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Jesus calls the Father the only true God. Eternal life is to know God the Father and Jesus Christ, whom God the Father sent. John 17, verse 3. Compare 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 to 12, which says eternal life is in Jesus Christ. Eternal life is in God the Father, and Jesus proceeds from God the Father. And God the Father has given to Jesus the ability to have life in himself. John 5 Verse 26 says, For as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Just as God the Father has eternal life in himself, he has granted God the Son to have eternal life in himself. Jesus has always been a part of God and has proceeded from God the Father. John says that Jesus is the word of life. What do words do? Words communicate thoughts. Jesus spoke what God the Father told him to say, so Jesus communicated God's thoughts. But here Jesus is communicating not just thoughts, but eternal life. Jesus revealed God the Father's eternal life, which was in Jesus. Jesus was also revealed in the flesh. Jesus had a physical body that could be seen and touched. John is saying that he physically saw and touched Jesus' human body, and that eternal life was in Jesus' body, and Jesus came with this eternal life from God the Father. 
John says he has fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is fellowship? Fellowship is sharing and having things in common. Here the sharing is a sharing of truth, a sharing of lifestyle, a sharing of holiness, a sharing of God's character, and a sharing of God's presence. To be in God's presence, we must be holy and without sin and not live a life of sin. To be in God's presence, we must be honest. We need to confess our sins. God's presence reveals our sins, and we must see our sins and confess them and turn from them. To be fit to be in God's presence, we must be holy. That has been provided by Jesus' atoning death. Jesus' atoning death, including Christ dying by shedding his blood for us. Two things that God does for us when we confess our sins. One, God forgives our sins, and two, God cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. When we confess our sins, we have the certainty of God forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness because of two character traits of God. These two traits are God's faithfulness and God's righteousness. God's faithfulness shows God's determination and ability to keep his promises. God's righteousness is based on forgiving our sins because of Christ's atoning death. Christians are to live a life without sinning. But what should Christians do if they do sin? John is writing this letter so the receivers of the letter would live above sin. But if a Christian sins, John gives this encouragement. Christians who have sinned have Jesus Christ as their helper with God the Father in restoring them to God. Jesus, our defender, is righteous. If Jesus is righteous, he will punish sin. So how can he be our defender? Jesus and his righteousness helps restore us to a right relationship with God. He does this not by trying to get us off without changing our ways, but helping us to be truly sorry we have sinned, and then Jesus can forgive us because of his atoning death and be there to help us not to be a repeat offender. Jesus' atoning death was not just to forgive our sins, but to destroy sin so that we could live a holy life. As John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, you know that he, that's referring to Jesus, was revealed to take away our sins, and no sin is in him. From this it is evident, Jesus' atoning death is not just to forgive us of our sins, but to take them away. He came to change us from our wicked ways. If a Christian sins and they truly repent and return to God, then God will forgive their sins. Repentance is not mentioned here, but elsewhere in Scripture. Confession and repentance is always needed for forgiveness. See, for example, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Jesus' atoning sacrifice and function as a defense attorney does not amount to a license to sin. A Christian, for example, who commits fornication cannot ask God to forgive them without that person's determination and intent of not doing it again. If you take the attitude that I will keep on sinning because all I need to do is ask for forgiveness, then God will not forgive you because you are not repenting. Repenting means you are changing your ways. Otherwise, Christ's death would become a license to sin. God's intent is for Christians to do their best not to sin. In fact, those who know God keep his commandments. 
If a person says they know God and do not keep God's commandments, they are a liar, and God's truth is not in them. God's love is made complete in those who obey God's word. Those who abide in Christ are to walk like Christ walked. John says he does not write a new commandment to them, but the old commandment. What is the old commandment? The old commandment is the one they had from the beginning. What commandment is that? The answer, it is the command for God's people to love one another. This is made clear in 2 John, where he addresses the church as a dear lady. John says in 2 John chapter 1, verse 5, Now I beg you, dear lady, not as though I wrote to you a new commandment, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Love is walking according to God's commandments, 2 John chapter 1, verse 6. A, a Christian is in the light and does not hate his brother. If a person hates his brother, then he is in the darkness even until now. Those who love their brother are in God's light. Hate blinds our eyes to God. John also mentions a new commandment. The new commandment is the same as the old commandment. The command to love one another never grows old. John is writing to Christians at various stages of spiritual growth. John is writing to fathers in the faith, young men in the faith, and children in the faith. The fathers have known him who is from the beginning. The young men have overcome the evil one and are strong, and God's word abides in them. The new Christians know God the Father. What message does John have for these Christians? John tells these Christians not to love the world. Christians have the choice either to love God or to love the world. John here is using the term world to refer to the part of the world that opposes God. It is characterized by loving. What, what, what do they love when we talk about loving the world? One, they love the lust of the flesh. Two, the lust of the eyes. And three, the pride of life. What are lust? The word for lust is desire, but lust refers to desires that are misused or used in excess. There are two kinds of sinful desires. There are sinful desires that are sinful um, if neutral desires are misused or used in, in excess. Sinful desires also refers to desires that are always wrong. Some desires are good, others bad, and others neither good nor bad. An example of a good desire is the desire to obey God and please Him. Some desires are always bad, such as heat and bitterness. Some desires are only bad if they're misused or used in excess. It is not a sin for a person who is hungry to want food. In fact, the desire for food is basically a good desire. Without an awareness of the need of food or the desire for food, we will grow weak and die. But gluttony is a sin. Recreation is not necessarily a sin, but when it keeps us from putting and keeping God first in our lives or keeps us from being a responsible person, it becomes sinful. Christians need to control their desires and desire what God wants them to desire. Another aspect of the world that opposes God is the pride of life. God resists the proud but gives his grace to the humble. Pride exalts self when we should be exalting God. 
Pride exalts the temporal that is passing away. The world and its desires are passing away, but God's word abides forever. John calls the congregation he is writing to as little children. He tells them that this is the end time and that the Antichrist is coming. He tells them that many Antichrists have already arisen. John tells these Christians they know the truth. They have heard God's truth from John and other Christians and know of God's word in the Old Testament. One trait of the Antichrist and teachers of false doctrine are those who deny that Jesus is the Christ. Deny, to deny that Jesus is the Christ is to deny not just God the Son, but it also involves it denying God the Father. God the Father and God the Son have promised true Christians eternal life, but there is the danger of being led astray. God's anointing teaches us what is true. Christians know that Christ is righteous. Those who practice righteousness have been born of God. Now for 1 John chapter 3. In chapter 3, John talks about characteristics of the children of God. All true Christians living for God are the children of God. What are some characteristics of the children of God? One is privilege. God's children are privileged to be called God's children. The privilege of being called God's children is a gift of God's love. John says, See how great a love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Another characteristic of God's children is rejection by the world. Being children of God involves rejection by the world. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 also says, For this cause the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. A part of being a child of God is to be rejected by the world, just as Jesus was rejected by the world. Another characteristic of Christians is the hope of purity. When Christ returns, we will be like God in purity. Since we have this hope, Christian, Christians purify themselves. Purify can also be translated cleanse. In 1 John 1.7, we see that God cleanses us with Jesus' blood, but here Christians purify themselves by walking in obedience to God and putting off sin. When persons sin, they are also committing lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. Jesus came not just to forgive us of our sins, but to take away our sins. If a person is abiding in Christ, they won't be sinning. Those who are sinning do not know Jesus. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who practice sin are not of Christ, but of the devil. If you are a born-again Christian and your, your lifestyle is sinning, you are no longer of Christ, but of the devil. Those born of God do not commit sin. The present tense here refers to a lifestyle of sinning. A Christian does his best not to sin. A person is not a true Christian if they do not love their brother. Christians should not be surprised if the non-Christian world hates them. If a Christian does not love his brother, then eternal life is not remaining in him. How are Christians to show Christ's love or Christian love? First, we need to be willing to lay down our life for our brother, just as Christ laid down his life for us. Secondly, we should share our resources with our brother in need. We are not to close our heart of compassion. 
God's commandment is that we believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another. We abide in Christ if we keep his commandments. We also know that Christ abides in us by God's Spirit that he has given us. Now for 1 John chapter 4. Christians need to know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There are false prophets, so Christians are not to believe every spirit. Some spirits are of God and some are false prophets. Christians can overcome the snare of false prophets because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. True prophets will acknowledge that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and those who deny that Jesus came in the flesh are false prophets. John emphasizes again that Christians born of God love one another. If a person does not love others, he is not born of God. God showed his love to us when he sent his only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We can live through Jesus Christ. Since God has loved us in this way, we should love one another. God's love is made complete if we love one another. Another factor in knowing whether Christ abides in us is that we know God has given us his spirit. God the Father sent Jesus as the Savior of the world. We love Christ because he first loved us. Those who love God should also love his brother. 1 John chapter 5. What are some characteristics of those born of God? 1. They believe that Jesus is the Christ. 2. They love God the Father and the child born of God the Father. 3. They love the children of God. We love the children of God when we we love God and keep his commandments, and God's commandments are not grievous. Those born of God overcome the world. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Jesus came by water and the blood. The Spirit also testifies because he is the Spirit. The Spirit is the truth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood agree as one. The water could be referring to the cleansing by the Holy Spirit or to the cleansing of the water baptism. The blood would refer to Jesus' shed blood that that cleanses us, and the Holy Spirit also cleanses us. These three, baptism, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' atoning death, agree for our salvation. God's eternal life is in God the Son, and we have the eternal life if we have God's Son in our lives. God the Father's witness is that he has given us eternal life in his Son. Only those who have the Son of God in their lives have eternal life. John states a twofold purpose in writing this letter. The first purpose is so the believers can know that they have eternal life. The second purpose is that they may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. If we ask anything of God according to God's will, then God listens to us. We also know that if he listens to us, then we have the petitions which we have asked of him. The key is to look to God's will in our prayers. Some sins lead to death and some don't. This appears to be referring to physical death. We know that the wages of sin is death, as per Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So all sin leads to spiritual death, but not all sin leads to physical death. Some sins result in a premature death because we will all die unless we are alive at the second coming. If we see a Christian brother sinning, 
We are to ask God to spare their life for them, for their sins that is not one leading to death. Remember Ananias and Sapphira who lied to God in Acts chapter 5, and they died on the spot. Those born of God do not practice sinning. The world of unbeliever lies in the power of the evil one, that is the devil. Christ gives us understanding so we might know God the Father who is true. God the Father is the true God in eternal life. God the Father is true. Jesus also is true, and he's also God. We are in him who is true when we are in his Son, Jesus Christ. John ends First John with these words, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. First John chapter 5, verse 21. After First John is Second John. Second John is one chapter long. It has 13 verses. John addresses Second John to the chosen lady and her children. Second John chapter 1, verse 1. This could be a reference to the church and the members of the church. John has two specific concerns in this letter. These two concerns are truth and love. God's grace, mercy, and peace is from God the Father and Jesus Christ, who is God the Father's Son, and God the Father and God the Son's grace, mercy, and peace is in true, in the truth and love. John is joyful that these Christians he is writing to are living according to God's truth. Christian truth is both doctrinal and ethical in how we live. Truth is to be lived to be lived out, which is what walking by the truth means. Second John chapter one verse four. Love is keeping God's commandments. Truth is a necessary defense against many deceivers. One of the main deceivers that John was concerned about were those who denied that Jesus had a human body. He calls those who deny Jesus physical humanity, deceivers, and antichrist. John tells them to watch themselves. John wanted the full reward of those he had helped under his ministry. He would not have a full reward if some of these Christians departed from the Christian faith and Christian truth by deceivers. Those who forsake the teaching of Christ do not have God, but those who keep the true teaching of Jesus Christ has both the Father and the Son. Christians are not to welcome into their home those who teach false doctrine. Those who welcome false teachers participates in their evil. Since in the early church, churches sometimes met in homes, it is possible this is not just talking of not welcoming them, uh, deceivers into your home, but not welcome them into your local church. It may be hard to not welcome deceivers because some of them may have accepted the truth in the past and we consider them friends. However, truth and love matter so much that a Christian must do all they can to protect the truth of the teaching of and about Jesus Christ. Now for 3 John. After 2 John is 3 John. 3 John is one chapter long. It has 14 verses in it. John refers to himself as the elder, and he addresses this letter again to the chosen lady and her children. John continues with the themes of truth and love. John says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear about my children walking in truth. 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. This shows the great importance of pastors protecting their flock from falsehood. One of the top priorities of a pastor is to equip his congregation with the truth. John commends this congregation for showing hospitality to travelers, 
to traveling preachers and or teachers who came to their church and community. This local church had given offerings to support these traveling Christian workers. These Christian workers told John about how well this congregation treated them. These Christian workers that this congregation helped were fellow workers for the truth. Three, uh, third John chapter 1, verse 8. Today, if special singers or preachers visit our church for music outreach or evangelistic services, we should seek only those who will teach the truth, and we should treat them well. Also, times, sometimes church missionaries may visit our church, and we will have an opportunity to help them in their ministry of spreading God's good news and true doctrine. John then talks about two Christian workers that this congregation knew. One was Diotrephus, who was not living like a Christian, and the other was Demetrius, who was a true witness of God. Diotrephus was a troublemaker in the church. Here is how he was a troublemaker. One, he had sinful pride. He wanted to be the most respected. Like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, he wanted the praise of men. He wanted to be first. Two, he rejected the teachings of John the Apostle and other co-workers of John. Three, he spread false accusations about John. And four, he rejected the Christian workers whom John sent to teach and edify the churches. John tells them that when he comes, that he will call attention to the bad deeds of Diotrephus. John tells them not to be like Diotrephus. He says that those who do good are of God, and those who do evil have not seen God. Diotrephus is an example of one who is not of God and has not seen God. On the other hand, John has good words to say about Demetrius. Demetrius had a good reputation. He had the testimony of all. Demetrius also was committed to teaching the truth. 3 John chapter 1, verse 12. John has other things to say to this congregation, but he will save that until he comes to visit them in person. He hopes to see them soon. After 3 John is the book of Jude. Jude is one chapter long. Jude has 25 verses. The author of Jude introduces himself as Jude and as a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Jude is a form of the word for Judas or Judah. Judas and James were brothers of Jesus. See Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Jude was a brother of Jesus, but viewed himself more to be a servant of Jesus. Jude wanted to write about his common salvation with those to whom he was writing. This letter is written to other Christians. Jude states these Christians are sanctified by God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Jude chapter 1, verse 1. The reason for this kind of greeting is clear later in this epistle, as Jude points out the danger of falling away from the faith and the need to be kept in a right relationship with God and the power to stay in a right relationship with God. Jude would have been biologically a half-brother of Jesus. Jesus was born when Mary was a virgin, and later on Jude was the offspring of, of Joseph and Mary. Jude exhorts these Christians to contend earnestly for the faith. The faith here refers to true Christian doctrine and living a true, authentic Christian life. This faith needs to be contended earnestly. 
we must work hard to maintain the true doctrine and true conduct and expect the same of Christian leaders. There were so-called Christian leaders who forsook the true doctrine and the holy conduct expected of all Christians. These Christian leaders were not living like Christians. They were ungodly men who were living indecently and living sinful living, which was a denial of our only Master, God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. There are clues to some of the sins these evil leaders were living. They were committing sexual sins. Instead of living like Christians, they were living like Cain, Balaam, and the people in the Korah rebellion. Cain was only outwardly committed to God. He never loved God like his brother Abel did. He became bitter against God and ended up killing his brother Abel. Balaam was enticed to use his spiritual gift to make money by enticing rebellion against God. Korah challenged the authority of God's chosen leaders of his day, who were Moses and Aaron. These evil Christian leaders are also called shepherds. The word pastor means shepherd. A pastor or shepherd are to, is to feed God's flock with God's word, and pastors are to be an example to other Christians. But these pastors wanted to make money and collect offerings for themselves rather than to teach God's word. If you want to see some examples today, consider preachers who teach that God wants you to be wealthy and to please give them money so that they can be, live rich lifestyles. These leaders in Jews' day were also despising authority and slandering celestial beings or angels. Jude says that when Michael, the archangel, fought the devil, that Michael did not dare to bring abusive condemnation against the devil, but said, May the Lord rebuke you, Jude chapter 1, verse 9. These evil church leaders were also uh, complainers, murmurers, and they were living lustfully. They also spoke with pride, likely boasting about themselves, and they showed favoritism to gain advantage over others. Some of them may have been mockers of others. These people were also causing divisions by their sinful behavior. Jude gives a warning about these false teachers, leaders, and a warning to all Christians. The warning is this, God will punish those who turn from him. God will punish Christians who turn from God to sinful living, as these evil leaders had done. Jude gives the following examples of people who God punished in the past who had turned from God. One, the people God had saved from Egyptian bondage, who later did not believe God, but disobeyed God in the wilderness, and whom God destroyed for their disobedience and their lack of faith. Jude chapter 1 verse 3. Fallen angels, angels who once lived in heaven are now are now the devil and his demons who are doomed for eternal punishment in hell. Jude chapter 1 verse 6. Sodom and Gomorrah are examples of those suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Jude chapter 1 verse 7. Jude warns that God's judgment day is coming when the Lord will Return with the holy angels. Jesus is coming again with his holy angels to execute judgment upon all sinners. How are Christians to defend themselves from these predatory Christian leaders? One, they are to remember the words of the apostles and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude chapter 1 verses 17 to 18. We today do this when we remember the words of the apostles. Today we call these words the New Testament. 
Specifically, Jude points to one specific teaching of the apostles. The apostles taught that in the last days there would be mockers, walking after their own ungodly lust. Jude chapter 1, verse 18. A mocker makes fun of, belittles, or calls people's names. They mock that Jesus is really going to return to earth again to bring judgment. Peter says in 2 Peter, You should remember the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that in the last day mockers will come, walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For from the day that the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 2-4 to four. The first thing Christians should consider in opposing these false teachers and contending for the Christian faith is to remember the teaching of the New Testament, especially the part that says that in the last days there will be false teachers living in sensuality, mocking the truth of Christ's return. Secondly, to stay true as a Christian and to counter false teachers, a Christian needs to build themselves up in the most holy faith. Faith here means the Christian faith, what Christians believe and how they are to live. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. It is what Christians believe and how Christians live because of that belief. So how do Christians build themselves up? Paul answers this question in Ephesians, where Paul says that God exalted Jesus up into heaven and Jesus gave gifts to the church. Specifically, Paul says, quote, He gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some evangelists and some shepherds and teachers for the perfecting of the saints to the work of serving to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a full-grown man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in craftiness after the wiles of air, but speaking truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom all the body being fitted and knit together through that which every joint supplies according to the working in measure of each individual part makes the body increase to the building up of itself in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. Paul is saying in Ephesians that God gives the church the teachings of the apostles and prophets, which is our Old Testament and our New Testament, or the Bible. And Christ also gives pastor teachers who teach God's word. Each Christian has a spiritual gift in which the church builds each other up in the Christian faith. Thirdly, to stay true as a Christian and to counter false teachers, a Christian needs to pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. We need to be right with God spiritually and seek God's help and power by praying in the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, to stay true as a Christian and to counter false teachers, a Christian needs to keep himself in God's love. Jude chapter 1, verse 21. If we love God, we will keep his commandments. Christians must sit there affections on loving God and obeying God. Fifthly, to stay true to 
Christ as a Christian uh, and, and to counter false teachers, a Christian needs to hope for the salvation he will receive at the second coming of Christ, Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Next, Jude teaches we must assist in sharing God's good news with others. There is an urgency about this. Christians are to have compassion on the lost and try to save as many as we can as a firefighter would snatch people from the danger of a fire. Christians must fight to snatch souls from the eternal fire. Jude chapter 1 verse 23. Jude ends with a word of hope. There is the great hope and comfort that God can keep those who trust in him to the end and to present them without blame to Jesus Christ. Jude ends with these words, Now to him who is able to keep them from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory in great joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Jude chapter 1, verses 24 to 25. God is able to keep us true to him, God is able to present us faultless before his presence. We have the hope of the great joy of being with God in heaven. In spite of all we face, we have a wise God watching over us. He has glory and power. He will triumph in the end, and God's triumph will be everlasting. There are 27 books of the New Testament. We have covered the first 26 of these books. These first 26 books of the New Testament in order are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrew, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. There is one book left in the New Testament, which is the book of Revelation. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at UpwardJourneyBibleStudy.com where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. I encourage you to pray that God will work in the lives of those who hear his word and that people will turn from their sins and become disciples of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to pray that God will work through this podcast ministry to bring others to Christ and to strengthen and establish Christians. Bye for now.